Welcome to the Rename Podcast. I am, as always, Jordan. With me on the show today, we have Sam. Hello. And Chris. Yo. We used to have Rachel, but then she decided she didn't want to record with us, so that was a whole lot of fun. Thanks, Rach. Um, today on the show, we're going to discuss things we are looking forward to in 2014. This is a podcast that has been almost three weeks in the making because we are almost three weeks into 2014. Uh, so there are a few things we were going to talk about that we can't now because they have actually happened. Uh, but that's okay. There's plenty of other things we're looking forward to. So we're going to talk about TV. We're going to talk about comics. We're going to talk about movies. And we're just going to sort of spitball on things that make us want to not kill ourselves before 2014 is over. Jordan, um, are, are you okay? No. Okay. <laughs> Definitely not. Is it, is it been a bad year to start already? <laughs> no, I'm just, you know, hangover. Okay. <laughs> It's a very dark opener to the show. Yeah, well, it's a very dark opener to the show, very dark opener to 2014. I want to keep our listeners on their toes. Sometimes they think they're going to get happiness from us, and they don't. Wow, that took a dark turn to something we haven't said here in a while. (laughs) We we haven't been taking enough dark turns yet. Uh, This this was a less fun dark turn than usual, though, so perhaps we should turn away from that. Uh, Sam, I'm going to kick it over to you to start us off talking about TV things we're looking forward to. Sure, I think... The biggest new show that at least I'm looking forward to, and I think you guys are probably interested in too, is The Strain, which is executive produced by Guillermo del Toro, and it's going to be a show run by Carlton Cuse, who famously worked on Lost. Um, And the show is basically another vampire show, but I think because of the talent working on this show, I don't think it'll be uh, vampires like we've necessarily seen before which is very exciting. I think it's kind of like a, a combination vampire zombie type deal where people are turned and calling it the strain seems to suggest some sort of uh, disease element to this. And it has quite the cast it does. that I will pull up in just one second. <laughs> this is where we are as a show. Great. Yeah. Great podcasting that, that we are. We are woefully unprepared for this episode. Um, and clearly not in the best mental place to be recording a podcast. Yeah, right. Just some people on this list that I like. Sean Astin, uh, Francis Capra from Veronica Mars. Uh, Doug Jones is going to be, at least in one episode, who is always in Guillermo del Toro movies. Will he be in it as Doug Jones or will he be in it as some creature? Um, I don't know. If I had to bet money, I would say... He would be on it as a creature because he kind of looks like an Osiratu type of thing anyway already. So yeah, I mean maybe he'll play some sort of a vampire creature or something <laughs> or some sort of monster. I don't know. Blind speculation on the review name podcast here. You get this it here the, first. This is the blind speculation podcast, but there's also reports um, that David Bradley is going to take a role that was originally for John Hurt. Which I think is exciting. I would have liked John Hurt too, but I think David Bradley's pretty good, and he's been he's doing right. a lot of cool stuff lately. So I'm excited for this. I have no idea what to expect. I like the people involved, and that's all I can really expect out of a, a brand new show. Well, the 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 series itself is based on uh, books, right, by uh, Del Toro. Um, I think he co-wrote them with someone. But did he write these books? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a trilogy. So I mean, that's exciting right off the bat. I think. Um, I mean, Del Toro like likes to get behind like a lot of projects, and his involvement in anything from project to project is kind of 
it you never know just how heavy of a hand he has involved in it. Sometimes he just really likes things, so he puts his day into them to give him that extra push. But the fact that this is based on Del Toro's source material really excites me just because he's such an incredible idea guy. Anything that comes from that wheelhouse, to me at least, has um, a really good chance of being something very interesting and worth your time to check out at least. So I'm excited for this because FX does good work, usually. They, they tend to be pretty good about picking their projects. There have been a few missteps here and there, but for the most part, whenever there's a new FX show, I will check it out because they have had a really solid track record so far. And I think that the strain is, it's, I always like to have a nice, like some horror on TV, like some well-developed horror. So I'm hoping that this is what that will be. Yeah. You know, I think John Landgraf is sort of uh, a god among television fans. The TCAs uh, happened last week. Yeah. And as always. They're still happening. uh, They are still happening. Sure. Um, As critics, like whenever, whenever he talks, critics always fall over him. And I think for good reason. He has a history of picking great television. He's actually committed to making great television um, as his business model, which is fantastic. And he tends to get out of creator's way, uh, C-E-G, one of the shows we're going to talk about in just a minute. Um, but I think he's got a great track record. It's Guillermo del Toro um, on TV, so that's really cool. Basically, I'm very excited about this. <laughs> I wonder as if we'll ever say be. that again during our Things We're Looking Forward To podcast. I doubt it. Or maybe we'll say it about every single thing we talk about. <laughs> um, next, uh, we have to talk about is a returning show, and that is Louie, which kind of took a, an extended break for Louie to kind of take some time in crafting his next season. And to be in a and, bunch of movies that he was the best thing about. <laughs> yeah, he was, he was also doing a lot of other stuff around, which he always does. Um, he's always busy. And I'm excited for Louie to return just because it's often at or near the top of my best TV shows list. Um, I've talked about Louie a lot on this podcast, so I don't, I don't have much new to say other than that I'm very excited that it's coming back. I want to I wanna see if there's a counterpoint. Last time we talked about Louie was pointing out that he's not as crazy about the show as we are. I just haven't watched it yet. <laughs> okay. Have you just not watched the show at all? I've seen an episode here or there. Well, there you go. Well, that's why. That's why. Um, Fair enough. <laughs> very excited, very excited for the show to be back. I think, I don't think that the creative break was necessarily needed, but I'm sure that uh, Louis will come back regenerated, um, and I imagine it will be a great season of television because everything he's done so far has been great. Um, yeah, so guess what, guys? I'm excited about this. As Are you excited about this? No, that was a lie. No. Oh. Okay. Um, so I think Louis, for me at least, I think it's my most anticipated return. If the strain is my most anticipated uh, new show, yeah, it is the only returning show that we are, are putting on here um, because I think it's the thing I'm most excited about uh, this year in TV, with the possible exception of Hannibal season two, which I'm going to plug now and repeatedly throughout the time that it's on, in the hopes that someone listening to this who hasn't watched it will watch it, and that one person will be enough that NBC doesn't cancel it. So watch Hannibal. We will. Um, and I'm sure we'll talk about it on this very we podcast. Will, um, because I want more people to watch it. And I assume that there are at least, you know, six people somewhere listening to this. Um, probably three of them are Sam's parents. What? I'm creating new mythology for the show in which you were raised by a triad. Oh, God. <laughs> you gotta get outside, Jordan. <laughs> yeah. Um... 
And so next show to kind of combine something old that's new, FX is bringing Fargo to television as a TV series. And I'm, I kind of have like mixed feelings about this just because I love the movie so much. And now they're going to make it just this, you know, this like just normal serialized television show. Now, what do you guys said before the podcast that it's going to be an anthology? Yeah, it, it's my understanding that it's going to kind of like shift its focus each season. So mm-hmm. it, it's all going to be sort of set in this same environment of Fargo, but you're going to see different characters come into prominence season to season. Different aspects of the community are going to be have more prominence in a given season. I think there might be some characters carried over, but I think the initial plan for now is for it to look not exactly like American Horror Story, but of that model, it's going to kind of change focus each season. The anthology sure. is becoming very big in television right now. That's something we can maybe talk about uh, as True Detective, which would have been on this podcast if it hadn't already started, um, wraps up, because I assume we'll want to talk about that season as it wraps up. Um, yeah, and, and this the cast for this is pretty great, I think. It has Billy Bob Thornton, Martin Freeman, Colin Hanks, Bob Odenkirk, Kate Walsh, Adam Goldberg, Oliver Platt, Glenn Howerton. It's a pretty stacked cast, I think, and I, I think... Um, you know, FX has a very good track record. Like we talked about, FX. We've already talked. This is the third say, FX yeah. show. A- they're actually they're all FX shows. My God. Um, <laughs> we were only excited about FX. That's the only television channel we were going to watch this year. Well, I think FX, in a lot of ways, is kind of the most exciting television network. Yeah, I, I um, completely agree. Um, absolutely. It, for a little while, like AMC wanted to wanted to take that mantle, but then it proved that it got really lucky with its first two TV shows. Yeah. Yeah, I think AMC was like, they hit the jackpot twice somehow, um, which I don't think they'll really ever be able to duplicate. But I but I guess on the other hand, I guess it's good. Mad Men and Breaking Bad kind of got AMC into the game for original programming, and they're kind of like the destination for shows now, which I guess could be a good thing. Yeah. I think FX, FX has just been consistently better, and they and consistently better at producing both comedy and drama. Very, like, very quality high-end, you know, drama and comedy. Um, and I think they have, they have like, an all-star cast. I mean, this could be a movie cast for this show. Um, and it, I think it came out of the TCAs that the Coens have seen it, and their reaction was pretty good, which I think is, yeah. like, cool. Yeah, that's as good as it'll uh, need right, to be. exactly. If, it's, if, it, doesn't, um, if it doesn't make uh, a travesty of the, of the movie, then I think I'll be okay. And I... And what are, what are your guys' thoughts on making this movie into a TV show? Chris? Um, I don't really have anything against it, necessarily. It sounds like if they're going to kind of let this go on and shift around from season to season, that they're using the movie more as like a like a hook to get um, viewers to watch a show that otherwise kind of sounds like a serialized noir, which I'm fine with. I want more of those on television. So if giving it the Fargo name and that tone is what it takes to kind of invest viewers into it, I'm fine with it. And I think that um, you're going to see, like, beyond the first season, probably not events that are not necessarily tied to the first to, to the movie. You're going to see, like, an expansion of those that work rather than like an adaptation. So I'm fine with it. I can't wait for the Mike Anagita season. <laughs> um, yeah, honestly, I, I'm traditionally very skeptical of turning TV shows into movies, mostly because I think the track record of 
TV shows based on movies is not particularly good, but... Hannibal worked. What'd you say? Hannibal yeah, worked. but I was going to say, there are yeah. exceptions to that rule, and you know how surprised I was that Hannibal was as good as it is? Because yeah. I was expecting for it to be a train wreck. Yeah, I was expecting it to be terrible, but part of that was just, like, it's NBC affiliation, too. Poor NBC. Fuck them. Um, they better not cancel that show, or I will be incredibly angry. And they're going to. It's going to happen. <laughs> so You hear that, NBC? Jordan will be very upset with watch you. Watch Hannibal, everybody. Yeah, uh, I will probably write NBC a strongly worded letter. Um, oh, my God. And by that, you mean a strongly worded tweet? Yeah. And by that, I mean a poorly worded tweet. <laughs> <laughs> it's just all one hashtag. <laughs> it takes them a better part of an hour to sort out what's actually being said. And I don't, I don't put at NBC or anything, so it's just <laughs> delivered to my uh, few followers. <laughs> and no one can understand it, and I'm just drunk and angry. <laughs> this is, for some reason, I'm coming off as very sad on this podcast, which is not actually the case, gang. Yeah, 2014 is not off to a good start for you. <laughs> it is actually off to a good start. <laughs> I feel like you're just the cancellation of Hannibal away from really going off the rails. There's gonna, the there are going to be some real dark turns in the future if that's the case. <laughs> Listeners, Jordan is going to need your support very soon. <laughs> and by support, I mean watch Hannibal. <laughs> All right. This is, this is becoming a Hannibal podcast. Um, so, yeah, I would say I'm skeptical of any movie being turned into a TV show, but also... This is a great cast. It sounds like they're going to do something interesting with it. And I think, Chris, you're right. The best way to approach this is to not try to adapt the source material in any particular way, but to use it as a springboard, which, you know, they, they're they changing the name of the main character, and she's, you know, not going to be Marge Gunderson because I think everyone knows you can't top uh, that performance. Uh, Frances McDormand's fantastic in the movie. So I think that's a smart idea. It seems like they're they're going to do different things with it. And, you know, great cast. FX has a strong track record, if we haven't said that enough on the podcast. So I would say I am cautiously optimistic. Another thing I imagine we'll say a few times over the course of this hour. Mm -hmm. Sure. So uh, moving on again, uh, Tina Fey, after 30 Rock ended last year, they've got, um, she's got a bunch of shows, I think, in the pipeline. We'll just talk about one, because it's the only one I can find anything on. There's a show called Tookin', which I think must be some sort of either, either it's a character's name or it's a play on Taken and Took. Um, but the premise of the show is a woman escapes from a doomsday cult and starts life over again in New York City. Um, and it's starring Ellie Kemper. And that is all I literally know about the show and that Tina Fey is the creator. I, but I think that's enough yeah, for me. Yeah, that's plenty for me. <laughs> I, would, I will watch literally anything Tina Fey is behind uh, until the end of time. She's got one of those deals with me. Uh, I'm sure she's very happy to hear that. But she's someone that I think I will, yeah, I'll just see anything and I'll probably watch every episode of anything she ever does, even if I'm not particularly fond of it, because I have brand loyalty um, and Tina Fey's amazing. I also think Ellie Kemper is really, really funny and was not always particularly well used on The Office, so no. I'm excited to see her doing something different. This sounds like a good part for her. So Yeah, she's, she seems really kind of exactly who I would choose for that, based on that description. She seems like perfect for the role. So. Yeah, I agree. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to put myself in the completely optimistic category for this one. Yeah. Uh, well, I really like that, um, I like that Tina Fey is like, uh, hanging around TV still. I feel like you know, she's shown that she can like, make 
she can write a really great movie. She's, she wrote um, Mean Girls, of course. Um, but I think I like her for TV just because I really like her sensibility and I like the idea of having something, a Tina Fey written product or at least showrun product that is like, um, that can go on for years rather than just an hour and a half or two hours. Um, and I think she's working on this with Robert Carlock, who also did 30 Rock with her. So that's another good sign, I think. Absolutely. Um, yeah, so like we said, she's got several shows in the pipeline. This is the only one I think that we know for sure is premiering this year, I assume. She's writing a, a, a one about a women's college that I don't, like, that's all we know about yeah. it as far as I know. Um, but I will also be excited to watch that. And uh, as we said before the podcast, I have a secret dream that once Parks and Rec ends, Tina Fey and Amy Poehler will do a show together and I will die happy. But that's just, you know, in the blind speculation department again. It's not even blind speculation, actually. That's just me writing fan fiction for the real world. Yeah, that would actually be very nice. Very nice. (laughs) That would be very nice. Sam would watch it and go, very nice. Very nice. Um... And last, I don't remember who brought this up, and it wasn't me. Uh, there's going to be a, I guess, I'm, I'm assuming this is a miniseries. Yeah, it's a four-part Ian miniseries. Fleming. Yes, Ian Fleming, The Man Who Would Be Bond. Uh, Chris, do you want to take this? Um, I, don't I have really an idea know what it might be about. Too much about the project, other than it is a um, sort of retelling of the events that sort of shaped Fleming's experiences and coming up with the character of James Bond. Uh, I think it focuses on his time in the um, uh, British Naval Intelligence Services. Uh, so it's, you know, it's, I don't know much about this project, but I think we're all Bond fans here. And uh, it's a BBC production, so that also gives it a little bit of credibility. And Dominic Cooper um, is in it, right? Yes. And I'm a Dominic uh, Cooper fan. Yeah. So I, I think this could be very interesting. Um, again, I will steal a phrase from Jordan and say cautiously optimistic. But um, I, I, I think it's an interesting story that, to, that has a potential to be a very interesting story. And for four episodes, why not? Give it a shot. Yeah, I don't know how much I care about uh, Ian Fleming needs uh, a miniseries biopic of Ian Fleming. But I like Dominic Cooper. It's four episodes, so I will probably watch it. That's what... I'm going to categorize this one as, I would probably watch it. (laughs) Yep. Samuel, thoughts, feelings, emotions? Um, It could be good. It could be not good. I have no idea. I like the premise. Um, I think it's an interesting story. I have zero opinion, though. I I haven't really heard anything about this show. Um, But I'll probably watch because I have a a TiVo. (laughs) and And it allows me that right. Um, to just record shit that I might not ever, ever watch. Like Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. I wish I never ever watched that most of the time. Yeah. Has it gotten better, This week's Jordan? episode, I will say, uh, though the phrase this week's episode is completely meaningless to our viewers probably because they don't know when this is recorded. But the last episode was... The episode Seeds. Yeah, there you go. Thank Jordan you. I was trying to remember to. the name. Seeds I yeah. thought was pretty good. Um, I was I was in the process of watching it right before we started this, and I, I would agree with you. It is definitely the strongest of the bunch so far. Yeah, it's the best episode the show's done. I hear rumor out of TCAs that NBC or, or ABC at least is very excited about the last nine episodes of the season, which apparently have some sort of arc that is interesting. I don't know about that. Oh, good, um, that'll be a nice change for the show. Yeah, but the last couple episodes have done a good job of sort of clearing up the 
overarching mysteries that were not work, I don't think. Um, yeah. And at least putting them on more interesting ground. And I don't know. If the rest of the season is, is anywhere near as good as Seeds, it will be a television show worth watching, which I don't think it has been today. <laughs> yeah, I, I, I think Seeds was, I know this is kind of like a tangent, it was, it was fun and interesting, which is all I ever wanted from the show. And so if they can kind of keep that up, like keep things on par with that. Yeah, but like it had around. characters, like real characters. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy. Well, I think Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. is important to note because I don't remember exactly what we talked about in last year's anticipated 2013 podcast, but I, I can guarantee you Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. was on just about everybody's list, and it turned out to be pretty lousy. Yeah. So it's, it's important to remember these things with a, take these things with a grain of salt in terms of like, wow, this sounds like a great idea. Like, lots of stuff sounds like a great idea, but it yeah. could be shit. So remember that, everybody. I get excited about plenty of things at the beginning of the year that end up being <laughs> awful. Um, so thank you for that, for that, I'm here to, uh, yeah, I'm here to right, crush your note dreams, of, note of cynicism, yeah. which I think is needed. We should actually, we should actually do a roundup on everything we mentioned this year on next year's podcast. We, you know, assuming Jordan hasn't done the other thing. Oh yeah. We should look back and see what was anticipated for 2013 and see what was worth Chris anticipating. And I were talking about, Cause you know, I was thinking oh. about, I was thinking about movies, um, earlier today about like movies I'm interested in seeing for 2014. Mm-hmm. And I realized most of the movies I love this year, probably almost all of the movies ended up on my top 10 list. I didn't even, like, know existed until much, much later in the movies year. Movies are always hard because, so, like, release schedules and everything, you know, tend toward the end of the year. And so publicity about the movies that we're going to end up loving this year hasn't even really started yet. Yeah, I think the only movie I can remember having, like, lots of, um, like, early knowledge of and excitement for was 12 Years a Slave. But other than that, you know, movies like The Act of Killing and Her, I don't think I'd even heard about until much much later and closer to the release yeah um so. we, it would be interesting to do that Something chris to keep and i were mind. also talking about our uh, pop culture resolutions from last year which we should probably end the show with new ones today uh but we'll get to that in a little bit um for now i guess we should shut down tv uh and turn things over to you chris and we're going to talk about some things we're excited about in comics which i think i think 2014 is going to be a very good year for comics even though that's something i say every year well, yeah, I mean, 2013 was an unprecedentedly great year, I think, between the uh, the con- Marvel Now, which uh, was, for me, an unprecedented success, and um, Image, which just continued to grow in scope and ambition in what terms of the projects they're trying to put out and the creators they're attracting to their company. But um, the last couple weeks have really just been like a whirlwind of comics announcements, like Marvel, DC, Image, uh, even some of the smaller publishers like Oni Press have all made like a ton of announcements within a span of two weeks. And Jordan, you were basically there with me over GChaz. I was trying like crazy to parse through this and decide what was the stuff that was going to make the final list because there was really just so many things announced at the beginning of the year that I am just beyond excited for. So... Um, let's get into it right now. And I think we've got a nice mix of stuff. Uh, so let's start with a project that, um, it comes out of DC comics, which is DC's return to a weekly comic with, uh, Batman eternal. And the way this is going to work is, is it's going to be, um, a weekly series with, uh, Scott Snyder, who writes the core Batman title, sort of serving as project runner, showrunner, for lack of a better term. And uh, a few other people who have had some experience in, uh, Batman comics recently or elsewhere are going to be writing individual arcs. Um, Jordan, you're a big Batman guy. Uh, how do you feel about this series? Um, obviously, I'm a very big Batman guy. 
I think, yeah. I think DC has had a mixed track record on weeklies. Uh, we were talking about their last weekly series, I believe. Or no, you said there have been a bunch since that. No, there, there's, there's been many. 52 is their first. Say there's been the several between that. that. Um, I thought it was a mixed bag. Sure. And I'm sure that uh, bag, because it's really hard to write a weekly comic, but they're doing the smart thing of, of cycling through a lot of, I think, really solid uh, writers each of whom is doing their own take on the material based on something about uh, the Batman universe in Gotham City. So I think that sounds really cool. I know it's going to be tied man um, in the year to come, and I think it's building toward what he uh, claims will be a seismic. So that's exciting. Basically, Chris, as you know, I will read anything with Batman or even Bat, or even some vague relation to Batman uh, in its title or subject matter. So obviously I'll be reading this, but I'm really excited about it. Uh, I'm, and I, I'm waiting to be proven wrong because DC tends to disappoint me, but I'm very excited about it. Yeah. I am also very excited about this. And as, as you know, Jordan, I am always of the mind that, whereas you, I think, immediately gravitate towards any sort of Batman project, I kind of have the opposite reaction in terms of, that's probably going to be good, but I wish DC would devote some more attention to other parts of their universe rather than the Bat books, which they know are just going to sell like gangbusters. But this one I'm actually really excited for, um, for two reasons. First, obviously the involvement of Scott Snyder, who has been, his Batman comics have been topping my top 10 comics list for three years running now. Uh, so the idea that this is just an extension of his story and setting up the next phase of his plans in 2015 is very exciting to me. But beyond that, I think that this, and I, as someone who loved 52, I have to say, I think this has the potential to be DC's most successful weekly ever, because one of the problems that weekly comics tend to run into is this idea of too broad a focus where they kind of tend to be everything to everyone and jump around a lot. Whereas like putting everything in the spectrum of like Gotham City and it's all the Bat characters together really nicely puts everything in the same world and makes the obvious crossovers and interconnectivity of the story make a lot more sense than say 52 or countdown did which really spanned a broad spectrum to the point of it was almost and again i enjoyed 52 but almost schizophrenic at times um also the, from what i understand is it's not going to be your typical weekly format where you would get five pages of this story and then the next six pages would jump to a different story and wasn't always the most satisfying reading experience from what i understand is uh, you're going to get each creator do an arc, and then that arc is going to kind of seg into the next story by the next creator. So you'll get like two or three comics in a row of the same focus, uh, which I think will really nicely lend a lot of um, consistency and a much more satisfying reading experience to the story. Yeah, I, I agree. And um, like I said, I'm, I'm excited about all the uh, talents involved, and I'm excited about the idea that they're each taking on uh, the aspect of Gotham City and, and the Batman universe that they yeah. are most interested in exploring. Um, so I feel like we're probably, I think it'll probably be a mixed bag because I think every weekly is ultimately going to be a bit of a mixed bag just because there's so much to produce. Yeah. But we all know that I read terrible Batman occasionally just because sure. it's got Batman on it. Um, so I'm excited about this and I think I think we're actually going to get some really great stuff out of it. Yeah. Okay, so moving on, I would say like the next project I'm pretty excited for is something that we've talked about a couple times in the past, but it finally is apparently happening this summer. There's been a publishing, there's been a release date, so I think we're actually going to see this 
in our hands this summer, once and for all, and that is Seconds, which is the original graphic novel, which is the new Brian Lee O'Malley project. And this is something that he's been working on pretty much since the end of Scott Pilgrim. Other projects have come up here and there, but this is going to be your biggest um, next big thing from Brian Lee O'Malley. Uh, Jordan, uh, are you looking forward to Seconds? Yeah, I loved Scott Pilgrim, and um, I, yeah, basically I would say I love Scott Pilgrim. I'm excited yeah. to see what he's doing next, and like you said, this has been in the works for a while, so I, a lot of anticipation gets built up, um, so I'm trying not to be too excited about it because I don't want to be too critical, but I thought Scott Pilgrim was awesome, um, and that was something I was reading before I was even really reading comics. So, yeah. I'm very excited about this. <laughs> One of the things I'm really excited for about this is right from the get I mean, I know they're doing this now with Scott Pilgrim, but right from the get-go, this project is going to be fully colored. And they've only released a few unlettered pages so far, and they look gorgeous. I mean, I, I love Brian Lee O'Malley's style, and I think the color really adds a lot to the art. Um, it, n there's really not a lot of information out there about this project. I know it's set around uh, like a diner, like young people who work at a diner or a restaurant, I think it is. Um, and there's not really too much details other than that. But like, honestly, I'm sold just on the idea of it's a new Brian Lee O'Malley project. And apparently it's, it's a very personal project to him too, because it's sort of like um, based on certain experiences he had. I think he also worked in a similar uh, environment as to the, um, the setting of this graphic novel. So I'm looking forward to it a lot and um, always happy to see new work by Brian Lee O'Malley. Um, anything more you want to say about no, this? I, or yeah, like you said, we don't on? know much about it, um, but his, yeah. his is a name that is enough to sell me on a project. Um, sure. Based on Scott Pilgrim alone, like, I'm along for the ride. Cool. Uh, the next thing I want to talk about is Original Sin, which is going to be Marvel's big event for the summer. Uh, this is going to be eight issues, uh, two issues a month, by written by Jason Aaron and drawn by Mike Diodato Jr. The basic premise behind this is that the Watcher, this sort of omnis, omnis being on the moon who's there to just observe the important events in human history, is found murdered. And um, beyond the idea of it's pretty disturbing that somebody has the ability to murder this omnipotent, um, seemingly immortal being... Like on par with Galactus, and is out there on the loose. All the Watcher's secrets that he's accumulated over the years from just like watching the important events of human history are now in the hands of somebody that whose purposes are unknown. So it's going to feature uh, pretty much everyone you expect. It's going to uh, heavily focus on the original Nick Fury, the old grizzled eye patch wearing World War II veteran Nick Fury, not the one that looks like Samuel L. Jackson that's been pretty much in every Marvel comic now. <laughs> um, and he's going to be sort of like the linchpin character who's going to be trying to coordinate the heroes and trying to figure out what's going on. Um, I'm really excited about this because uh, Jason Aaron is a creator who over the past two years has really been upping his stature at Marvel. Um, he, this is going to be his first time really overseeing one of these events all by himself. He worked with... Um, four other Marvel creators and doing Avengers versus X-Men. And I really liked his chapter specifically, but the whole event um, was very much a um, collaborative process. Whereas this is all Jason Aaron all the time. And he's already proven in Thor, God of Thunder, that he can do a very high concept mystery series. Um, and I really excited to see what he gets to do when he's 
the front man when he's the only guy out there and really kind of setting the tone and the chorus of Marvel books for the next year. Uh, and beyond that, I'm also excited that he's already mentioned some of the characters that are really going to be a heavy focus in there. And it's interesting to me that he's shying away from some of like the more traditional uh, leads you would expect for a series like this. So rather than seeing a lot of Captain America and Iron Man, you're going to see a lot more focus on characters like Doctor Strange, the Punisher, Ant-Man, Emma Frost. Um, so I think that he's bringing a very different sensibility to this story, and I'm excited to see what he can do with it. Yeah, uh, Marvel has a really strong track record, I think, at these big events, because we've talked, I think we've talked a lot about this, maybe not on the podcast, but I think the way that they do the publishing schedule for them makes a huge difference, because you get this big story coming at you very quickly, as opposed to DC, which is stretching out forever evil, forever, pretty much, um, and making you lose interest in it entirely. Uh... Beyond that, I think Jason Aaron is one of my favorite people working in comics right now. He's he's incredible, and he's very good at doing very different tones and very different styles. I mean, if you just look at Wolverine uh, and the X-Men and Thor God of Thunder, they're completely different books by the same guy. Oh, yeah. So I'm really excited to see him take a run at, at the big leagues and, and handling this event by himself. I'm also really excited to bring uh, the original Nick Fury back to prom- prominence. He's a great character that I very much love. And he hasn't really been around Marvel Comics for the last few years as uh, the Samuel L. Jackson-style Nick Fury has, has taken uh, prominence that I don't really understand. Um, I've never found the character in the comics particularly interesting uh, because I think yeah. he most attempt to shoehorn something that was popular in the movies into the comics. Um, and he doesn't have the, the history and the mystique of original Nick Fury, so I'm glad to see original flavor coming back to prominence. And I think just... The title, Original Sin, and, and Nick Fury being being a focus of it. I'm really excited about that alone. And then to have Jason Aaron doing it and to have some of the characters you mentioned spotlighted, especially, I'm partial to Emma Frost. So it would be great if someone who can write her better than Brian Michael Bendis has been writing her gets his hands on her for a little while. <laughs> <laughs> I think we can all agree about that. Um, but I really like... Uh, just one thing I want to mention before we move on is um, when you're talking about the schedule and uh, like the idea that Marvel can really bolster these events by putting them out so quickly. I think uh, I just want to comment that Mike Diodato Jr. is a great choice on art because like he's one of those artists who we don't really talk a whole lot about here and there, but like he's in the same vein of like uh, Salvador LaRocca or um, uh, Mark Bagley, and that he he's just a workhorse. Like the the style is not he's is not as um, we don't dissect it as much as we would say like David Aja's work on Hawkeye or um, uh, Cliff Chang's work on Wonder Woman. But at the same time, like this is a guy who puts out really solid art really quickly. And if I had one criticism of the Marvel events of the past few years, it's this um, – they've been using multiple artists to kind of tag team the series to make sure it sticks to a deadline. This series is going to have a real nice visual consistency throughout and in – and an artist who definitely can deliver the pacing of that. So I think Diodato Jr. was a great choice for it. Um, Okay, moving on, the next project I want to talk about is a new series that was announced from uh, Image. Uh, This was a bit of a bittersweet announcement. We uh, found out that um, Ed Brubaker and Sean Phillips are going to be ending their uh, critically acclaimed and favorite of the show series, Fatal, this summer. Um, but following that ending, they're going to jump right into their new project, which is going to be called The Fade Out. And um, for fans of the Brubaker-Phillips um, collaboration, this is going to be much more in line with uh, Criminal. It's going to be much more of a straight noir series, but kind of a bigger scope, they've said. 
Uh, it's going to focus on Hollywood in the 40s and the murder of an up-and-coming starlet. And it's going to pack a lot of Hollywood history and um, tropes into uh, a tone that's going to be more like uh, their work on Criminal. And it's going to be more just like a really uh, faithful noir. And I'm excited for that because as much as I love Fatal and all the um, horror trappings that they very successfully brought into the genre, I've been missing a very straight noir series from these two creators for a while. And I'm really happy that they're going to get the chance to do this book that Brubaker has described as something that he's been working on for quite some time and is is very much a passion project for him. Uh, I guess my first thought is I probably need to go back and read Criminal at this point. Um, it's been on my list for a while. I haven't read it. I love Fatal. And, I mean, you said this about Batman earlier, but that's a book that has just been topping my, my top ten list for its entire run. Um, yeah. It's, it's just an amazing and amazingly consistent book. So I'm sad to see that go, but also we got a lot more of it than we were originally supposed to. 15, and now it'll end at 25. Uh, yeah, something like that. Yeah, something like that. A anyway, we so I'll just have to be satisfied with it with it ending, and I'm sure that it's gonna go out with a bang because everything it's done so far has been really fantastic. Yeah, I I'm just excited to see these two continuing yeah. to work together. They've had a very fruitful partnership, most of which I'm not too familiar. Everything there's it's sort of like I think Criminal is sort of like a, a rainy day comic for me in terms of it's something I know that I'll love uh, that I'm just sort of saving up. Um, but maybe now's the time. Yeah. And it, to be honest with you, yeah. It, it, it's I, I almost like that idea of a model for reading Criminal anyway because it takes so long between the different volumes that come out. Like, I'm excited for your experience reading it because you're going to have a, such a nice big chunk of it to get through really uh, quickly as opposed to, like, having to wait for the separate installments, yeah. like, years between volumes. Um, it's, it's tough. Uh, but, yeah, I'm really excited about the fade out. I'm really excited about how much these creators believe in this project and both both of them recently signed a five-year deal with image comics meaning that they have such security working there now that they can really just kind of like settle back and tell the stories that they really want to tell with less of a focus on what's going to sell they know that they have job security image and they can really tell the projects that they're most passionate about and anything that gets these two creators excited excites me a lot so i can't wait to see what they have in store on the fade out yeah, I, I completely agree. Very excited about this. And finally, let's end on our uh, project that uh, I think you and I are both chomping at the bit for, based on... Yeah, I'm glad you saved this one for yeah. us. It's the thing I'm most excited about. I mean, it was... The, their last collaboration was your number two comic of this last year and was my number one, so I feel like this had to be saved for last. This is another book coming out from Image sometime this year, is going to be is a series called The Wicked and the Divine, uh, written by Kieran Gillen, drawn by Jane McKelvey. Uh, and I am just beyond excited for this because not only have these two just been so on fire recently, I'm glad that they're sticking together. Uh, sometimes they have a tendency to go off and work with and see other people for a while, uh, but the fact that they're just keeping this partnership going uh, right into the next phase of their career is really exciting to me. Um, the series kind of focuses on, there, there's not a whole lot of details out there, but I guess the, I, the basic premise is that uh, representatives from different pantheons of deities are sort of born into the world and they live as mortals for two years and then they're gone. Um, and this sounds like something that's exactly in Jillian's wheelhouse because uh, sort of this idea of the gods among us or magic among us is something he's been working on quite a bit with... Um, uh, Journey into Mystery and Phonogram. Uh, it, it's very much 
like sounds like something that's right in his sensibilities because like the way he talks about the project is sort of like gods as pop stars, which is pretty much everything that Gillen finds interesting, and I will find anything Gillen finds interesting well, very, very interesting. Uh, I loved all of his projects in recent years, and the idea that he's still working with McKelvey because these two, when they get together, it's just it's just something special. Like they really get how to work with each other, and they really get how to bring out the best in each other's work. So. I'm excited that this is going to be a lengthy collaboration for the two because the way it's going to work is um, Gillen's going to do an arc with McKelvey, then McKelvey's going to go off and kind of get a head start on the next thing or work on the next arc or work on another project for a little while, then he's going to come back and do the next arc. So every odd-numbered arc is going to be a Gillen and McKelvey combination. So um, the fact that this is going to be pretty much the one of the longest um, both consistent collaborations for the two and one of Gillen's longest form projects. I think this has a potential to be Gillen's longest form project ever. So those two things alone are just more than enough to excite me. Well, I'm most excited. I mean, I'm excited about both those things, obviously, but I'm most excited about the fact that Gillen seems very conscious about playing with the idea of, of pop sensations and rock stars and the way that uh, our culture kind of recycles them in and out uh, at about probably a two-year frequency. He's a huge music guy, and that yeah. plays a big part in his writing. So the idea of him playing with this idea is exciting to me, and especially because one of the gods is based on David Bowie, um, and we know how much I love David Bowie. Yes, we're familiar. So I'm really excited to see him let loose and, and play with that idea, because I think it's a very interesting one. And, I mean, he the last two years, my number one comic from 2012 and my number two comic from 2013 were written by Kieran Gillen. Um, so he's on quite a quite a stretch in my book and you know the wicked and the divine starts i think this summer right so it'll have enough time to maybe make my number one slot again <laughs> absolutely yeah so i think those are our I, I mean it's a great year for comics there's a lot of stuff coming out to be excited about um and everything we just mentioned there it's like um we're it was a strong list and we cut some stuff that we were really excited about but um i think that just shows you just like how much there is to look forward to in comics from 2014 I think it's going to be a great year. As always, we will at intervals uh, weigh in on what's going on, and we should probably do another one of our uh, fancy Chris and Jordan alone full comics episodes at some point. Yeah, I'd be down for that. Cool. Um, all right, I guess we should move on now and talk about the films we are very excited about in 2014. Uh, as we said earlier in the podcast, Sam, I think you said this, uh, it's hard to talk about movies this early in the year because we don't know, but there are actually plenty of things that i'm very excited about uh on the list already why don't we start by talking about the new film by Darren aronofsky which is enough to get me excited uh this is noah starring russell crowe it's aronofsky doing a biblical epic um i don't know actually how i feel about that honestly but i see i've seen all of the aronofsky movies before and i've loved all of them even the ones that most people don't like so i would say that i'm very excited about this sam uh i'm not Super excited about this one. I don't find the Noah story inherently that interesting, and I don't. I'm not a huge Russell Crowe fan either. Um, I do like Darren Aronofsky, but I'm I'm much more taking a wait and see approach on this one. I'm not like clamoring for it, which apparently a lot of people are. So I mean, I guess that's fine. It has Aronofsky. It's going to be very big. He built a giant arc for this movie, which. Which leads me to believe it will be a massive failure because anytime someone does something crazy like that, there are problems. Um, 
but yeah, I don't know. Could be great. Could be shit. It's really, it really is one of those movies where I have no idea. I'm not super excited about it though. Um, I think like if it wasn't Darren Aronofsky, I would be exactly in your boat because the trailer didn't do much for me. I don't really care about biblical epics as a genre or like the Noah story in particular. Um, but Aronofsky usually makes very good movies about obsession. Um, and I imagine that Noah will track with that theme pretty easily. So hopefully, hopefully it'll, there will be a lot of, of his, uh, predilections in it because if it's just a retelling of the Bible story, then I'm probably not going to be a big fan, honestly. Yeah. Uh, these, these biblical epics tend to like, uh, focus a lot on spectacle versus, um, a narrative that actually hooks you in because they're, they're really much stories that's very kind of hard to find like a, a very interesting narrative hook on um so I, I i think i'm right there with you guys i i'm not really chomping at the bit for this i will definitely go see it um i am always happy to see new aronofsky work but at the same time this would not have been the project i would have been wanting for and clamoring for yeah i think that's right honestly um I hope to be pleasantly surprised by it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna say I'm cautiously pessimistic about this one. <laughs> oh, there's a new one. Ah, uh, the greatest emotion to have: <laughs> cautious pe- pessimism. Isn't it? Isn't it delicious? Um, the next thing that I want to talk about, honestly, is is the thing I am most excited about. I know we've been saving the best for last, but I don't wanna I don't wanna hold off on talking about the new Wes Anderson film, The Grand Budapest Hotel. Uh, starring everyone you want to be in a Wes Anderson film and Ray Fiennes. The first trailer <laughs> for it was amazing. It's Wes Anderson. It looks fantastic. I'm just going to babble. So, Chris, what do you think about this? Uh, I'm beyond excited. Like, the cast is just incredible. Um, I, I I will be there opening, the first opening second. Like, I, I will, like, find a way into the air ducts to get into this theater <laughs> to be, like, in the front row watching this thing. I cannot wait to see some of these characters interact. I, um, I'm just been clamoring for more Wes Anderson since Moonrise Kingdom. I've always been a Wes Anderson fan, but Moonrise was just such a, like, charming, pleasant story. It just, it just made me want more Wes Anderson in my life. And to have Grand Budapest Hotel coming out this year... Uh, with the with a cast this expansive and uh, this so many returning uh, favorites from his past works all together in the same place is just I, I agree with you. This is probably one of my most anticipated movies of the year as well. Samuel, yeah, I'm definitely excited about this, and I'm I'm guaranteed to buy a ticket and go see it. Um, the trailer is great. Um, even if the trailer wasn't great, I'd be excited for it. It has all of the Wes Anderson people you expect to see in his movies. And just the premise of the movie sounds interesting to me. It seems like a lot of fun. So it's got, I am there. It's got that madcap Anderson uh, sensibility yeah, to the trailer exactly. that mm-hmm. I'm very excited about. His, I don't know, he has, his, he has a, a sense of humor that works very differently on my funny bone than pretty much any other director. And I like... I, I've had to be shushed in his movies before from laughing uh, too hysterically, so I'm I'm quite excited. <laughs> um, I guess I think we we've said all we can about how excited we are for that. So now I want to talk about something we know almost nothing about, uh, and yet I'm still very excited for, and that's uh, the new Christopher Nolan film Interstellar. Uh, we know that it has Matthew McConaughey in it, and 
We know that the first trailer tells us basically nothing. I think uh, I think it's been confirmed. It's a lot of mood. It's a lot of mood. Yeah. <laughs> you like America. You like uh, striving for the stars. Human potential. Chris is really drunk right now. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but Nolan always does this. He doesn't tell you anything about the movie. Yeah. And then you go see the movie and it's awesome. So I bet it's probably going to be good because it's Christopher Nolan and he makes good movies. Uh, Sam. Uh, this is actually what I would pick for my most anticipated movie of the year. Just because, uh, you know, part of it is I've loved Christopher Nolan movies and he doesn't, he doesn't make a ton of movies. He's only has 10 movies that he has credit on. And one of those is a short that I'm not even going to count. So really nine, um, so he takes his time with these movies, and also the cast in this movie is excellent. Matthew McConaughey, who who has had one of the best years I can remember one actor having, and starting this year he has True Detective, which he's great on already in the one episode I've seen, and he's getting all of this Oscar buzz, and now he's going to be in this big Christopher Nolan movie. It's really, it's really been the year of McConaughey. I think we're I think living in an age of McConaughey, and honestly, yeah. I think he deserves all the buzz. Like. He's yeah. been consistently excellent in everything I've seen him in in the last two or three years. Absolutely. But, like, but, before that time period, had you said, like, Nolan is his next big film is going to be starring McConaughey? Like, my initial reaction would have been something is off the rails here. This is maybe where Nolan's bridge too far. But now. Did Kate Hudson I am, Matthew McConaughey out of the basement? Yeah. <laughs> well, I think with McConaughey, he was always one of those actors that everyone said was really talented, but just made stupid decisions. Yeah. And for years, he was just being in these, like, dumb romantic comedies or like these romantic action madcaps and i think he was just kind of wasted but he's kind of changed his trajectory and now he's i think he's taken it to another level um and i think most people would agree that he probably he's always had the talent i don't think he just learned to act in 2013 um, no i just think he's he's i don't know somehow righted the ship uh because i think he was he was sort of known as like a young robert redford type when he first started acting and then he, he went off the rails a little bit in the, uh, the last decade, but he's come back. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, that first year was really great. Young Robert Redford. Then there was this kind of shaky decade he had, and then now he's back on track, but listen to the, the rest of this cast is amazing. And kind of what you'd expect for a Christopher Nolan movie and Hathaway, Jessica Chastain, C- Casey Affleck, Michael Caine, Topher Grace, John Lithgow, Ellen Burstein. This is a really good cast. Yeah. Um, really top to bottom. Apparently Matt Damon is is in it uncredited, according to IMDb. So that is interesting. He, uh, um, he plays the lead singer of a band who, who sings a song about having a sex with the main oh character. Oh, God. <laughs> Eurotrip, we hardly knew. Um, but yeah, so I'm definitely excited about this. And I like that um, we're going to have the second year in a row where we have one of the biggest movies of the year, and this will be one of the biggest movies of the year because it's a Christopher Nolan movie that is going to be about space travel. And I feel like maybe we're having like this reactionary, this kind of pushback to how space travel has kind of taken a backseat in American culture. Yeah. I want it back. I want space back. Uh, (laughs) Give me back space. Hollywood is, Hollywood is, is saying, America wants space. We're interested in space. Take us to space. And maybe it'll it'll take Matthew McConaughey 
maybe to uh, I, kick the uh, space program back into. I'd the like air. to think that uh, Barack Obama will see Interstellar and a single tear will roll down his face, and then we will uh, bring back manned spacecraft uh, projects. One can hope. I just like the idea of Barack Obama with a single tear running down his face. I think that's a it's a good image. Um, not that I wanted to be sad. Don't get me wrong. Anyway, you're on a watch list now, Jordan. Yeah. Uh, oh, please. I've been on watch lists for a while. Um, this is uh, so the second vampire project we're talking about on the show here, and I am incredibly excited for this based on all the advanced buzz we've gotten from Toronto on it. Uh, Only Lovers Left Alive, the new Jim Jarmusch film, which uh, stars Tilda Swinton and Tom Hiddleston. And from what I hear, it sounds basically like uh, Jarmusch is taking the idea of. Uh, vampires being alive long enough to have experienced like all of pop culture as sort of his touchstone which sounds amazing to me and these two are like both phenomenal actors who i think are well suited to the idea of playing ageless uh pop culture fans whatever <laughs> basically i hear it's great i love jim jarmusch and i love tilda swinton i love tom hiddleston and i can't wait for this movie Hooray! Yeah, I, I heard about this movie too. It sounds very interesting. I'm right there with Four you. vampires. Well, I, I mean, if there's anybody who can find uh, ways to make a tapped out genre feel different, exciting, or find new aspects to explore in it, it is definitely Jim Jarmusch. I, I like really love his body of work in that he just goes into a very familiar genre and then just distorts it and shows it to you through a very imaginative, very different lens. And so even though that vampires are just like, you know, there's a new project, like pretty much coming out from any outlet you could imagine, like featuring vampires. And that's been pretty much the case for the past two or three years. Um, I wouldn't lump Jim Jarmusch in that category because he will definitely give you something fresh to appreciate from that genre. Yeah. And the touchstone that I keep hearing referenced when people are talking about this movie is dead man. Uh, they, they say that Only Lovers Left Alive does to the vampire genre what Dead Man d- did for the Western. Um, I love that. We talked about this, uh, it was Movie Club on the podcast last year, so those of you who didn't listen to that episode can go back and find how much we all loved it, but I loved it, um, and if this movie is anywhere near as good, and if it can do for the vampire genre what Dead Man did for the Western, then I think it's gonna be incredible. Uh, any last thoughts on Only Lovers Left Alive? No. Cool. So now we're going to talk about something that I think, obviously, we're all very excited about. Um, the Raid 2. Sam, do you know anything about this besides the fact that, it's, that it exists? Uh, yeah, I know a few things about it. I think the most interesting thing is um, the plot of the movie. It takes place, I think, like two hours after the first movie ends. <laughs> um, and I have the synopsis here. Uh, the Raid 2 tracks Officer Rama as he is pressured to join an anti-corruption task force to guarantee protection for his wife and child. His mission is to get close to a new mob boss, Bangoon, by befriending his incarcerated son, Uko. Rama must hunt for information linking Bangoon with corruption in the Jakarta Jakarta Police Department while pursuing a dangerous and personal vendetta that threatens to consume him and bring his mission and the organized crime syndicate down around him. So basically what I think is he has to go into a building and punch a lot of guys (laughs) to save his wife and child. I would want nothing else from a sequel to The Raid. Um, Yeah. Yeah, I, I thought that the, the first movie was fantastic. Uh, it's the sort of action movie that I wish we did more of in America. Um, so I would color myself as excited. Chris? 
Uh, I agree with you guys. Very exciting action movie. I like that the sequel just seems to give you more of the same, but like push the envelope in terms of uh, adrenaline. So yeah, optimistic. Cool. Um, I think that's probably about all we need to talk about on the things we're looking forward to list. And we're getting close to, to uh, time for the show, but I do want to talk about pop culture re- revolu- uh, resolutions for 2014 before we leave. Um, first, let's, let's go back, Sam. I think, uh, as I recall, we were, our resolution last year was to be less angry at award shows. How do you think that worked out for you in 2013? Um, <clears throat> well, to be fair, the biggest award show of them all hasn't happened yet, so I can't really gauge my anger. But I found that I'm, I'm actually less angry this year, but I think part of that is just because there's been so much really, really good stuff this last year, both on TV and in movies, that it's hard for me to get angry when... You know, someone good beats out someone I might have liked slightly more, but they're both good, so I can't really get angry. Like, for instance, in the Golden Globes, uh, Jennifer Lawrence won Best Supporting Actress. And she was fine in American Hustle, but I don't think she should have won for Best Supporting Actress. I think Lupita Nyong'o was way better. Way better. And, yeah. And I basically I basically post on Twitter, it's like, if, I, I challenge anyone to look me in the eye who's seen both 12 Years of Slaves and American Hustle. Look me in the eye and tell me that Jennifer Lawrence was better. Because I don't think you really could, really. But apparently a lot of people at the Hollywood Foreign Press thought that. Or didn't see 12 Years a Slave, which is equally possible. Well, I hear the um, award screenings for 12 Years a Slave were virtually empty, so... <laughs> oh, well, that's good and fair. Um, yeah, I mean, I think I'm always going to be... I'm, gonna, I'm always going to be somewhat angry at awards show because the people I think deserve awards sometimes won't get them. Um... But I don't think I'm going to be as angry. Like I would be like really mad <laughs> usually, but I think it's just kind of pointless just because it's always, it's always going to happen and I always assume the worst. Yeah. And when someone wins, I go, okay, whatever. I honestly do. I think, I think we got better. Um, I, will, I'll, I still get angry and I will always get angry, but I think I got better in 2013 at not being as angry. Um, and so I would call our, our resolution a success. Chris, you weren't on our resolution uh, podcast last year, so I want to start with you on if you have any big 2014 pop culture resolutions. Um, I think my big 2014 resolution, I, I think I have two. Um, first and foremost, I want to start giving up on things more. Uh, I have a tendency Ooh. to kind of stick with stuff that I'm not really enjoying or not really, um, don't really see any kind of, uh, potential of getting better just out of the idea like the false hope that maybe things will change a few episodes down the line even though when I know that like 10 episodes in or like even seasons in this is exactly what I'm getting there's no hope for any kind of like dramatic like um, course correction so I, I think that means several shows are getting cut uh, I just want to have more time to devote to the things that I really love and to finding new things that I will love rather than the things that I'm just kind of like putting on the background and just kind of riding out for a while. So that means um, Arrow's got to go. Almost Human's <laughs> got to go. There's a lot of things that got to go. So everything must go is the first part of my resolution, just so I can have more time to devote to projects that I missed out on this past year, like uh, The Americans and um, uh, with some other things that I wasn't able to keep up with. Hannibal. Um, Hannibal, yeah. So like, I, I definitely want... Podcast yet, have I? Yeah, so yeah, so I, I definitely want to be able to have more time to devote to the things that are worth devoting to. Uh, secondly, I, I just want to start going to movie theaters more. So I, I really want to make 
it a priority to see uh things in theaters like at least twice a month if not weekly if possible like you know sometimes it's it's that just like gets really expensive to keep doing that over and over again but i i just like like these past few weeks i've been going to the movies a lot and i really enjoy the experience um i've even taken up the um what I used to mock Jordan for is the insanely depressing practice of seeing a movie alone by yourself. But it actually is, I, I, I am eating my words. I find it incredibly freeing and it's a lot easier to get out and see the things I want to see when I'm not having to try and coordinate schedules with other people. Yeah, I don't so, find it depressing at all. I love going to movies by myself. Yeah, it's, it, I, I found that it really lets me focus a lot more. So I, I, I've enjoyed it and it's really allowed me to get in more things I want to see. So those two things, um, Giving up on the things that I'm not enjoying as much to make room for the things I will enjoy is my first resolution. And secondly, get out to to see movies in the theaters a lot more. All right, good good resolutions. Um, Sam, do you have any pop culture resolutions for 2014? I like Chris's one about uh, just quitting on shows more. Sometimes I feel like I stick around a little too long. I kind of did that with Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D., um, I think in the past that would be like a show I'd just kind of like stick around with and be angry all the time. <laughs> Um, but yeah, like some shows, like, I guess I'm going to watch, even though I kind of know they're bad, like the newsroom. The problem for me is like bad shows. I kind of like want to watch them so I can be a part of the conversation and I can actually articulate why I think something's bad rather than just not watching it and saying it's bad. But, um, I like, I like that idea. Um, trying to think what else. Try to see more documentaries. Like when uh, the Oscar nominees came out for Best Documentary this year, obviously I'd seen The Act of Killing, but I don't think I'd seen any of the other documentaries this year. So, gotta get to more. It's kind of a it's kind of harder to track them down because, um, you know, they they're usually not big mainstream releases. Right. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, the Errol, the new Errol Morris movie, which I think you watched, yes, right, Jordan? I saw it at the Palm Springs International Film Festival, and it's good. Um, yeah. I uh, just briefly, I'll say I don't. I don't think it's as good as the Fog of War, but I think that's mostly because Donald Rumsfeld is not as candid as, as Robert McNamara was. Um, but it's very good. Good. Well, you know, I think that's my. If I had to do one broad one, at least for film, I'd say I'd want to definitely get into more uh, documentaries. So that's what. I, that's that's my resolution. Yeah, I, I almost feel like it's it's cheating of me to just say it more like. I watch a lot of TV and movies already, but... Yeah, that's going to happen regardless. But that being said... You have a sickness. I think my biggest resolution this year is there was, like, a lot of great TV last year, and I didn't get to nearly all of it. Um, I think, you know, a lot of people talk about 2013 as maybe the greatest year for television of all time. Um, And there's just, you know, I I watched a lot of it, and I watched a lot of the new stuff, but there's just a lot out there that I haven't seen. So right now I'm working really hard to cut that list down a little bit, um, and I'm trying to watch... Some of the some of the less well known, less seen stuff that I uh, that was sort of either not on my radar or that I just didn't get around to in 2013. Um, if if television is is experiencing an elongation or a new golden age, depending on uh, and people are always talking about that. I want to be as big a part of it as possible, and I want to I, I want to have seen as much of it as I can. So I'm trying to I'm trying to track down things that I've been uh, putting off or that I haven't watched. Um, that's my big TV one, movies wise. Pretty much the same, I guess. Just just keep watching a lot of things because that's what I do. <laughs> um, so I don't know. That's maybe that may be cheating, but I think I'm making a concerted effort right now to check off uh, TV shows that that I haven't seen, and um, so far it's been going pretty well. I, I just 
finished watching uh, the first season of Inside Amy Schumer, uh, which was a well-regarded sketch comedy show from last year, and I thought it was fantastic. Um, you know, it's a sketch comedy series, so it's it's hit or miss, but I thought there were a lot of hits, and the hits were very good. Um, so that's what I'm up to right now, and I, I, I want to keep checking off uh, TV shows that I haven't seen and, and sort of experiencing different, different uh, aspects of this uh, renaissance in television. <laughs> Um, so I think with that we can shut down the show, yes? Yep. Cool. Well, um... Shut, shut it down. Shut it down. We're closing up the box. Throwing it in the back of the closet. Other things. So, as always, you can, uh, follow us on Twitter at ReviewBeNamed. You can email us at ReviewBeNamed at gmail.com. You can visit us at the website ReviewBeNamed.com where you can find us writing about all sorts of things and comment and yell at us if you'd like or tell us we're doing a good job, which we like to hear that. That'd be nice. Um... And with that, this has been the Review Name Podcast. I have been Jordan, and welcome to 2014. I think it's going to be a good year, guys. Also, tell right. him Lewin has the and cat. And also, Lewin has the cat. <laughs>